You know, I, gosh, I love our worship team when they just kind of do their thing. Um, I love to watch you guys worship and I love to be part of this body with you. Uh, I, you know, there's, there's few things that you can ask for in life. Uh, and one of those is a great church. And I'm really glad to be part of this church with you. I'm really glad that you all are in it. Um, we're going to get into the word today. That's what we do here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and ask. I, I printed out some stuff. I'm going to go ahead and ask them to start passing out. I don't know how long it's going to take for them to pass it out. It's a sheet of paper. Don't start getting into it yet. We're not going to get into it until later, Lord willing. But I want you to have it. If you're online, I put this. There's a link to it on the YouTube video. You can go and see this. Uh, there should be a thing. If you're watching on the website or on the app, there should be a link to a document there. You can get it there on Facebook. I logged in under my wife's Facebook account and put the, because I don't have Facebook anymore, um, and put the link there. So it should be like the first comment there on the Facebook if you're watching there. And if you watch this later online, it'll be sitting there in the YouTube video or the web thing or whatever. So um, they're going to pass that out. Don't start reading there. You won't hear all the wonderful things I'm saying. Um, you guys ever tried to hammer a nail in with a pair of pliers? Oh, more of you than I thought. Wow. I thought it was going to be me and some person who, you know, didn't know what pliers were. Uh, yes. Good. Okay. Let's pray. That was, that was the whole, no. I, I have done it. It worked, kind of. Uh, it's certainly not the most effective way to hammer a nail. Uh, eventually, you're going to break the pliers, probably. Uh, but Sometimes I'm too lazy to go grab the hammer, so I just, there's a nail, and I just hammer it with the pliers. My dad, however, taught me to use the right tool for the job. This was an important thing that he taught me, and he was right. Uh, tools are made to fit the job they're designed to do. Now, my dad would be very frustrated if he saw me hammer a nail with pliers or a wrench. I think I've done that as well, or something, uh, because he wants me to do the job the right way. Once we do the job the right way. Uh, the Greek philosophers, they understood this concept. Uh, the idea of things having a purpose, a virtue, an excellence, the highest thing of what they were made to do, and they called it arite. Okay, arite, that was the Greek word for it, kind of this idea of purpose and excellence and virtue. So uh, the arite of a wrench is to tighten and loosen Nuts. The arite of a hammer is to hammer a nail. The arite of what your chair is to hold your weight so you can sit comfortably. That's if it's doing its purpose excellently and it's a virtuous chair, it's going to hold you up without breaking. I've sat in a few non-virtuous chairs <laughs> in my day. I don't know if the chair wasn't virtuous or, you know, I was fat. So uh, you did the whole math yourself. I didn't even have to do that, huh? Um, the arite of a man is to love God, to love his neighbor as himself, and to be manly, because God made men to be men. And the arite of a woman is to love God, and to love her neighbor as herself, and to be womanly, because God made women to be women. Now, those last two statements that none of you gasped at have become very controversial statements in our culture. Very controversial statements. There are a number of other statements I can make about so many things 
that involve God's purposes and virtue and excellence in the way that he's designed things, whether it's men and women or children, mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, friends, neighbors, citizens, doctors, uh, teachers, lawyers, plumbers, construction workers, artists, musicians, on and on and on. I could talk about any one of these things and talk about God's purpose for it. And the statements that I made about those things, biblical statements would be controversial. They would be controversial because people's roles and duties and obligations and the fullness of who they are, the way God's designed them, is no longer, if it ever was truly, the way that we look at how we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to live. People's arite isn't something that you can talk about. They get to decide that for themselves. There's a famous case uh, called Planned Parenthood v. Casey. Um, it came out in, I believe, 90, 1992. And it was the case that kind of changed Roe versus Wade from you can abort in the first trimester this way, second, third, to uh, a different standard. Okay, so this came out. And one of the things that Justice Kennedy, uh, who wrote the opinion, very interesting story about how he came around to the pro-abortion side, but who wrote the opinion is he just kind of talked about it in this very fluffy language about people sort of determining their own destiny, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it did not sound like something a judge should write. Um, Frankly, maybe a bad poet, uh, which he was a bad poet. Um, but the idea is that people sort of get to decide for themselves their purpose. Um, it's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. God has made you with a purpose. If I start using pliers to hammer in a nail, both the guy who made the hammer, who designed it, and the guy who designed pliers are going to be like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with you? Right? Because they, they both, the one guy designed the hammer to do that very job, and the other guy designed the pliers not to do that job. And so if we want to act in a way that is against the design that God made for us, as a creator, he's not going to be happy with it. And of course, we do things much worse than hammering nails in with pliers. We are God's creation. He has a created order and a plan for human beings. So all kinds of things that we say these days are all of a sudden controversial, even though they're biblical, because our culture has become foolish. Foolish. And the hearts of the people in our culture have become darkened. That's the way that it is. And there's a reason this has happened. We've been studying the book of Romans. Uh, this is our eighth week. Seven weeks prior to today, we've been studying the book of Romans. Um, and we may get to the end of the first chapter this morning. So in eight sermons, I might get to the end of the first chapter. Uh, there are 16 chapters, so you can do the math. Uh, there are Bibles in front of you, by the way. If you don't have a Bible at home, please take one of those home with you. That is our gift to you. You don't owe us anything for it. We want you to have the Word of God in your home. We want you to read it. We want you to know the Lord, and this is truth. I'm just going to tell you straight up. You may have watched the Discovery Channel uh, thing about how some weird guy with weird hair is saying the Bible's not really, and we don't know. Nonsense. This is truth. You will not find truth in its raw form anywhere other than right here. This is the revealed word of God. So we want you to have that uh, with you. If you brought your Bible, you can pull it out. Um, in our last session, we studied, we began to study one of the greatest arguments of all time. Of all time. Okay? This is the argument for the gospel. And it goes on for chapter after chapter in Romans. It's actually quite long. Uh, this is a letter to Christ's followers in Rome. And this argument addresses every person, including every person sitting here, Jew, Gentile, man, woman, children, elderly, rich, poor, I, you know, you name whatever it is. It applies to every person who has ever walked the earth. This argument is for you. 
This argument is for you. It's, it is one of the most important truths you could ever understand. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you've done, this is such an important argument. I was talking with my wife, Tiffany, because um, you should do that. You should talk to your spouse uh, last night um, about the fact that if the Christ followers at Acts Church were to truly understand at a spiritual level, a deep level, the gospel argument that is basically running from where we started last week in kind of Romans 15, sort of to the end of chapter eight. If we could just get that in our hearts, like really in our hearts, I don't believe we could ever stray far from Christ. I don't believe we could ever get too far away if we really understood the fullness of the gospel argument that Paul is gonna lay out here. So this is really, really important like everything in scripture, but this is really, really important. So last week we uh, looked at some this week, Lord willing, we're going to get through it. Uh, and I'm going to refer to this part that we're kind of going through today as the preamble and first section or first part of the argument. So let's get into the text. Before we do that, let's pray as we open God's word. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be here. Forgive our sins. Help us to be right before you. Protect us spiritually and physically and in every way. Help our minds to focus on your word, that your Holy Spirit may reveal truth to us that will transform us as you are making us new, as a new creature day by day, as we are in you. And that for those who don't know you, that you would draw them to yourself through your word, God. Your word is truth. In your name, amen. All right. Chapter one. I'm going to start reading the verse 15, and some of you are going to say, wait a second, we did that last week. You're right, we're doing it again, um, and we're not going to do the, exactly the same way, but I want to kind of walk you through the preamble and the first part of the argument, which is chapter 15, or I'm sorry, verse 15 to 17, and then verse 18 to the end of chapter 1 is, the, is kind of the first part of the argument. So, um, don't start looking at that handout yet, where that's, that's later. Uh, so, the preamble, the preamble of the argument to me is right there at 15. So much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So, I want to give you a bit of an understanding about how I plan to break this down as we go through, because this is Lord willing and the creek don't rise. We're going to be going through um, this entire argument from here to the end of chapter eight. And I want you to understand sort of how I'm going to break it down as we go to help us to understand it at a deeper level, at a deeper spiritual level. So um, this is a method, okay? It's a method for breaking it down. The way it's written here in scripture is perfect and beautiful, and it's scripture, and it's infallible. I'm not trying to change, like, oh, I can, I can do better. That's not what I'm doing here as I break this down. What I'm doing is I'm, I'm trying, to, you can't improve scripture. What I'm trying to do is like, kind of break it down and understand it in, in another way so that we can understand it better. So I basically am putting things in a particular argument form so that we read it kind of in the prose as it's written, and then we're going to look at kind of what the argument form looks like. Okay, you'll see what I'm talking about. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just do the preamble section so you have an idea of what I'm talking about, putting it in argument form. So, the first premise of this, of the argument, as I take those verses, says the gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Okay, that's our first premise, the first thing that, that Paul is saying. This is something he's saying about the gospel. Then the second premise, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. In other words, for the Jew and for everyone else. So it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, 
for everyone. Number three, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So we know that the gospel reveals the righteousness of God, that from faith to faith, okay? Now we get to a therefore. The argument's coming together. Verse, or, or premise four, therefore, because of numbers one through three, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why am I not ashamed? Because of the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to everyone, and because in, in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, the just filled by faith. That's why he's not ashamed. And then because of one through four, so much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. So this is kind of the way that I see the breakdown of that preamble, it's written a little bit differently. Like if I'm gonna give a speech, oftentimes I'm gonna start with sort of my thesis statement or whatever people call it these days, I'm gonna say, this is what I believe and then I'm gonna go through and sort of prove it out. But if I was gonna do that in an argument form, that first thing I said would have been at the end as the therefore. So often as you see me break things down, you're gonna see a, an initial statement that's made that the Holy Spirit's inspired Paul to make as he's writing, because he's writing in a persuasive form. But then as we break it into the argument form, you're gonna see that at the end. And I want you to see it both ways because it helps you to understand what he's building that statement on. All right. I would ask if you if it made sense, but I don't care because I'm gonna keep going either way. All right. This is a method for breaking down the argument and understanding how one biblical truth leads to another biblical truth. This is how we're understanding things, okay? You need to understand that we, as Christ followers, are people of reason. Reason. Who serve a God of reason. Our faith is based on evidence and reason. Do not let anyone tell you that religion is just about faith, and by faith they mean blind belief in something. Okay? That is absolutely nonsense. If there is anything... In this world that is based on evidence and reason, it is the Christian religion. Our entire faith is based on whether a historical fact happened, whether or not Jesus Christ rose from the dead. If that fact is not a fact, we are wasting our time and we could all be out riding motorcycles right now, okay? <laughs> That's what we could be doing instead of this. But it is a fact. How do we know? Through reason. We are a people of reason. Listen, the scripture is full of reasoning, leading to understanding, leading to life. Uh, Isaiah 1, 18 through 20. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as, as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let's reason. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. He's showing you how it works because he's reasonable. And he wants to reason with us. The Lord is a reasonable God. He does not play games. He makes the truth clear. If you come to understanding that, rather than just be like, I just believe. I just believe. Now, it's good that you just believe. You believe, though, because of what God has done in your life and what he's shown you, okay? Do not let people set the terms for who you are as a Christ follower. Because what they'll say is, you believe in sky fairies and things that you can't possibly prove, but I believe in science, right? Uh-huh. Um, that's nonsense. That's not, it's not true about you, and it's really unlikely to be true about them. In fact, normally when I get in a situation like that, what I find is that person doesn't understand half of what they think they know. Okay, so uh, this, is not a, this is not an attempt to uh, separate in the dog on the wall. I'm just saying people are going to try to put you in a box 
But you, as a Christ follower, are called to be reasonable. That's why I just handed you a two-page argument that we're going to look at later, because we're reasonable people. We do the work. I'm not just here to go, everybody be happy. That's not my thing. You may have noticed that about me. That's not really my thing. Okay? I, I'm happy. I'm joyful. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. I did that because my dad will sing like seven of those when he preaches, so I thought I'd give him one. Give him one. I'm a joyful person, but I'm a reasonable person. I'm a reasonable person, okay? Here we go. Uh, as we do this, as we go through it, uh, and think and use reason with the spiritual mind that God has given us. If you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. And if you're not in Christ, you don't have the Holy Spirit, your mind cannot, cannot operate in its proper arite, its proper purpose and virtue and excellence, because it requires the Holy Spirit of God to do that. The scripture tells us this, 1 Corinthians 2.16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. If you are a Christ follower, you can understand spiritual things that someone who's not a Christ follower can't because their reason has been deadened. They have become foolish. And if you want evidence of their foolishness, just turn on the news. This is why it's a good study tool to break down the reasoning and why we're going to do that as we go through this. God gives us the scripture so we can understand it at deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper levels spiritually. All right, verse 18 is the first part of what I'm calling the gospel argument. And we went through this first section, um, these first few verses last week, so you can go back and study that one. But I'm going to kind of quickly run through them. 10 4, we're doing good. All right, here we go. Oh, there's words. All right. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation, and I would circle that word, that's huge, creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now, I want to look at a couple uh, scriptures that cite the authority for this part of the argument, okay? The first one is Psalm 19, one through four. And what you need to understand what's happening here is that we're setting up a couple things, okay? There's a couple things that are gonna be setting up and kind of give you your preview as we walk through. One is God is setting up that through creation, he has revealed enough about himself for people to know who he is, to know that he's a righteous judge, to know good and evil, to know all kinds of things that no Bible, no nothing, just by his creative power and what he's done in making you that a person who isn't purposely trying to suppress the truth will understand that there is a God, that he has a standard that he's excellent, that he's good, that he's praiseworthy, that he deserves worship. All of those things you can understand without ever having a Bible. Okay, that's the first thing he's setting up. The second thing he's setting up is what's going to happen to those who continually push that away, hold it down, suppress it, and refuse to acknowledge God. So that's going to be sort of the first part of this argument. By the way, if you're wondering who those people are, they're not out there, they're us. That's why we need Jesus. Okay, so let's, let's, let's look at this. Psalm 19, 1 through 4. The heavens declare, speak, make clear the glory of God. 
and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge about who God is, okay? There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. That means everybody in all places understands God through creation. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. And then he has set a tabernacle for the sun. And, and Psalm 19 goes on. Listen, God has created the world and only those who wish to push him away will suppress that understanding. Which is why, by the way, even people who are broken in their understanding of who God is, and there are a lot of people who are like that, I don't know, 99% of all people who have ever lived have understood there's a God. Now, what they've done with that, that's a different issue. But they've understood their God. Athe actual atheism is actually a very small thing, although I think growing. So God has revealed through creation that he's the creator. Basically, God's signature is on all of creation. Everything was created by him. In the beginning, it was the word, right? Where it was with God, the word was God. In him, all things were created. Without him, nothing that was created was created. God created all these things, his signature's on it. And through those things, we can know about him. Now, there's an interesting one here, Psalm 50, verse 6. It says, let the heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Now, this is going to be really important when we get to the very end of this first part of the argument. The very end, the last verse in this chapter says, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. We're going to get to that, to that part of the passage. But what's important about that is Psalm 56 is the proof text for that. His creation, let the heavens declare his righteousness for God himself is judge. People not only know that God exists, but that he's righteous and that he's ju a judge. Because anyone righteous will judge. The righteous must judge evil. This is why you watch the news and some horrible thing happens to somebody and you get upset because you know that righteousness demands judgment. And God is the only one in a place to do that. Right? This is why you aren't supposed to go out and start condemning people all over the place. But God better do it if he's holy and righteous. And he is. And his creation declares it. All right. Now, uh, let's get into the next part of it here, uh, verse 21 through 23. It says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. This is what you need to understand. This is what happens. When people suppress the truth and unrighteousness and refuse to acknowledge God, who is clear and clearly to be seen by everyone, with or without the Bible, you can understand that when you suppress him so that you can do what you want, you go against your arite virtue and excellence and purpose and become a fool and you get everything backwards disobedience to parents which i actually talk about later in this chapter two is this very backward thing i'm the parent you're the kid i say what to do and you do it that's how it works that's what's good for you as the kid right when a kid says no i'm in charge the kid is getting everything backwards 
When the creation says to the creator, I'm in charge, the creation's getting everything backwards and becomes a fool and starts to do foolish things that are completely against the opposite of that person's arite, purpose, excellence, and virtue that God has made them to be. It's a natural consequence that comes. You have to understand that. That's what's happening here. They get everything backwards. They start worshiping created things rather than the creator and completely losing their understanding of their purpose of their virtue, of their excellence, and they start chasing death, thinking to themselves because of their foolishness that it's life, rather than living life in Christ. What uh, we read next in the truth of the scriptures is sort of the continuing that we're seeing here of the descent of people when they refuse to honor God as the creator, and they worship themselves against God's design. So we're going to keep going here. It says, Romans 1, 24 through 25, therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. I would circle the word creature there and I'll tell you why. I might circle exchange the truth of God for a lie because that's ultimately what's happening here. Ultimately, they're saying, this is the truth, but I like this over here. This makes me feel nice right now for this moment. This seems hard. So I'm going to ignore that, suppress, exchange, trade it in for this nonsense over here. Now I'm being foolish. Now I can expect my just desserts for suppressing the truth. The word creature here refers to any created thing or creation in general. And one of the things that you can use this word in, in the Greek, it, one of the things you can use this word to refer to is yourself. It's a person, okay? The word creature here, people are worshiping themselves. Now, I will say that the kind of all creation thing is also true. You live in the Northwest, so you probably know people who essentially worship nature. We have a bunch of pagans here, na nature worshipers. Oh, look at the mountains and the clouds and the trees and the rivers. Like, yeah, they're all beautiful. But when I see them, I'm thinking about their creator. And when you see them, you're seeing them as a thing in themselves, as if by themselves they could do anything for you. They do nothing for you. They are the handiwork of God. Okay, so people do worship the creature, the created, those things that are created. They do do that. But it's also referring to men and women. In fact, it's the same word used in 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Some of your translations, if you have a different translation, may say creature. Same word. Same word. Worship the creature. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're giving up that creature, you, that you worshiped instead of God, to be made into a new creation that worships God. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. Same word. So people are worshiping themselves and each other. And Mount Hood, which is beautiful, by the way. But I'm not asking it for help when I'm in trouble. You know what I'm saying? It isn't going to help. It's just a rock, okay? I mean, come on. We foolishly worshiped ourselves. That's why we needed Jesus. Instead of worshiping God, which is part of our arite or purpose or excellence or virtue. That's what's excellent, worshiping God. Worshiping ourselves is a joke. 
Now, if you worship God, you do fulfill your arite and you receive life. If you worship yourself, you receive death. That's what happens. Because why? Because you are made for life. But when you do the opposite, exchange truth for lie, what are you headed towards? The only thing you could be headed towards, death. Part of the gospel message this is essential. Part of the gospel message is that we have all worshipped ourselves and we have all earned death by God's righteous judgment. That is why the cross and the empty tomb are such good news. Because we can have life in Christ. We can become a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's what God has done for us. That's why this beautiful, amazing, unspeakably great argument is so incredible and so important. Because he's showing us here who we are. And then he's going to show us who he is. And then he's going to show us who we are in him. And then he's going to tell us about the promises that come with that. It's real. I mean, honestly, it's like, <laughs> I love this argument. It's so good. The next step for those who suppress God is this last section. I'm just going to read to the end of the chapter now, okay? Here we go. Starting at verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they didn't want to know about him. They didn't want to believe in him. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They're whispers, backbiters. Haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Uh... That's a rough one. And it would be not so rough if I could say it's talking about them. But it's not talking about them. It's talking about me. It's talking about who I was when I tried to do things on my own. It's talking about who I was when I thought I knew best. Exchanging the truth of God for a lie and becoming all of these things. Now, there are, there are issues here that refer to some things that we see becoming more and more prominent in our society. This is, in my opinion, this passage has a prophetic element to it. It's sort of explaining how bad it's going to get. We talked about in, in a prior sermon about how things were when the church came and, and how as, as we started to understand Christ and as he was preached, things started to get better. And then as people started to do this wholesale again, it started to go like this again. And now it's really going. And all these things that you, we just read about, they're happening and they're happening a lot and they're happening fast because there's a lot of people who have become foolish because they've rejected God. A lot of people. This is where we are today. 
If you want to understand why the world is the way it is today, one of the ways to understand that is this scripture right here. There are people who are like, I don't understand. I don't understand. Why do these things happen? This is why they happen. Rejecting God as the creator and exchanging the truth for the lie perverts your mind. And when your mind gets perverted, you pervert the minds around you. That's how a culture comes up in this way. You look at our culture and you can see how easy it is for a whole group of people to believe something that a whole other group of people think is crazy and that this group thinks that group is crazy. Now, they can't all be right and usually they're both wrong. But why is that? Because it's infectious. I don't blame the 14-year-old girl at a high school in town right now who wants to become a boy because other girls are becoming boys and because on television, that's the thing that they tell you you should do if you don't feel good, you should go this direction. I'm not blaming that person. I'm blaming us because we're the ones who started this culture going in this direction. It started with little things, little compromises, little, oh, that's not a big deal. I've talked about the Sam Malone effect. You guys remember Cheers back in the day? Sam Malone back in the 80s normalized sort of the womanizer. He was, everybody liked, he had great hair. I mean, not as, you know. <laughs> he had great hair, he was fun, he was nice, and he slept with every woman coming and going. And it was like, you're supposed to think of this guy as sort of the hero of the show, but he's a moral reprobate. And, some, and we started going, but it's a fun show. We like the show. And so it became very popular. And so what happened is, I grew up, because I was younger back then. I used to be younger. Some of you are like, no, you look pretty old. I used to be younger. And it had an effect moving into Seinfeld, moving into Friends. And these were all just heterosexual perversion. But it became completely normalized. There was a time when if you said, yes, my son is living with his girlfriend, that was a shameful thing not to be talked about. Now it's as normal, like no one even thinks about that. I've not seen a person blush telling me something like that and I can't think how long. And I'm a pastor and they're like, yeah, I live with my girlfriend and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay. Um, this is what's happened. And then now we have these young people who have been simmering in this pot of wickedness that we've created and you wonder why it's getting worse, and they're confused. And then what do we say? Oh, this, this Gen Z, these millennials, they don't know what's going on. Completely ignoring the fact that it's our fault because we did this stuff. Praise God for his salvation. Praise God that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes for the Jew first and for the Gentile and that in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith because I need his righteousness because I don't have any myself. But if you want to understand the world, understand that. Have compassion. When you see the pride parade going by and people doing really quite unspeakable things in public and being celebrated for it by your favorite corporations, Instead of going, yeah, go, oh, my heart is broken that people have come to believe these things, that their hearts have become foolish because we as a culture have traded in the truth for a lie. 
And then tell them the truth. Your job is not to change their behavior. God does that. The Holy Spirit does that. You know what your job is? It's to get them to exchange that lie back for the truth. Because once that happens, that's when you become a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All things have become new. Listen, we, we have for so long been the moral police. Okay? We go out and we're like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And they're like, oh, they're the don't do that people. That's, that, that's true. You ought not to do those things. It is bad for you. All these things that were mentioned here, these are bad for you and they will lead to death. And we know that God's righteous and that those who do these things deserve death. And we will neither do them nor will we approve of those who do them. But what I will do is pour my life out for those who do them that they might know Jesus Christ. Because you can't go and change it by the behavior. Become good and then become godly. No, become godly and then become good. That's true for us when we kind of start stepping away from what we ought to do. The church is not innocent in this. We've wanted to be accepted. I've told you before, give that nonsense up. You're not acceptable. If you believe this, you are not acceptable. Praise God. Because I just read you what's acceptable to them. If you want to be acceptable on that, that's why it says friendship with the world is enmity with God. This is what the world is. This is what the world does. We're looking to save those people through the power of Jesus Christ. People pervert the world. They pervert reason. They pervert our children. They pervert themselves. Let me just tell you something so you understand. We were not made to be worshipped. If your uh, goal in life is somehow to find worship from other people because you either get enough money or you get the right job or you get enough people to think you're great or you get enough TikTok views or whatever it is that you're trying to do, you are going the wrong way. It is foolishness and darkness. Only God was made to be worshipped. Only God was made to be worshipped. We're not made to be worshipped by ourselves or by anyone else. God is the creator. He's our father. The son is our savior and the Holy Spirit is our helper and teacher. If it were not for the power of the Holy Spirit, through Christ's church, us, through you right now, restraining the evil of this world, this is where everyone would be all the time, what you read here. The, the people have talked about, you've read the Left Behind books or, you know, whatever, the uh, stuff, oh, the rapture's going to happen and this is that. And, and the worry seems to always be like, they're going to come and cut your head off if you're a Christian. And like, I'd be like, please, because what I'm much more concerned about once the Holy Spirit and his church are taken out of the way and the Antichrist rises and all that stuff happens, what I'm much more worried about is what people are like than what they might do to me. Imagine, understand that the only reason that we are not in total and utter wicked chaos is because of God working in you. That's it. We are his church, his hands and his feet. We are the ones bringing light through the name of Jesus Christ. Without that, the world's done. That's why you're a soldier in the shield wall with the full armor of God and taking the wickedness of the world head on in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is a time to kind of rally the troops because it's been rough lately, right? Because I'm not saying it's not going to hurt. It may hurt, but we march against the gates of hell. Why? To set the prisoners free. Because I was a prisoner, and I want to set the prisoners free in Jesus Christ as I was set free in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power 
may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. What does it matter that they're going to persecute you? What does it matter that you're not going to be popular? You're not forsaken by God. What else do you need? Stop needing something else. That's the lie. The lie is that you need something else. Love your wife or your husband or your children or your friends, but don't need them. Need only God. Need only God because he will not leave you or forsake you. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Just wait. Just wait till we get to the end of this argument, chapter 8, and we get to this part. Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Understand who you are and do not be overcome by the world. Christ has overcome the world. We're here because he's got something for us to do. Not because this is the greatest place and look at the mountains and the lakes and the trees. You have no idea where you're going to see when creation is renewed. This is the shadow. This is the brokenness of all that. Imagine what Mount Hood looks like without the sin of the world that's broken this world. Don't hold on to, I really want this, to, I want my best life now. Bull! I want their best life. I want them to have eternal life. You've got to switch your mindset because all the mindset that says this world and what can I have and more comfort and more stuff and more, you know, whatever. And I better vote for the right person or I don't know what's going to happen. This is the most important election of our lifetimes, but we say that every time, but I don't know. <laughs> These Christians were, Paul was sitting here writing this and it's, it's Nero and Caligula. And he's not, he's not doing that. Get tough. We're the children of God. If you only understood who you are. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Yeah, is it tough? Yes. Do these people matter to you? Are they worth it? Yes, because you were worth it for God to go through death on a cross and he hadn't done anything wrong. After we'd done all this and he saved us. For God shows his love for us, for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can you give up a little bit for your neighbor? This is good news. This is truly good news. 1114. Ah. We're going to do it. Handout. All right. Let's work through the handout real quick. Okay. I want you to see how I broke it down. I'm just going to go through it pretty quick. So you see the preamble there. I didn't do the breakdown for the preamble. I did that for you this morning. But the rest of it, I've got basically 19 things here. I'm going to read through them and kind of quickly go through them. And we're going to try to get through. Okay. This is how I look. This is how I see what Paul has said in the beauty of Scripture, sort of in an argument form. Okay. So it starts with this. What can be known of God has been shown to people and is evident in and among them. Okay. How do we know it's evident in and among them? Because they show through the things they do. We'll read this in chapter two, that they know that the law is written on their hearts. Their conscience is accusing or else excusing them. You'll see that. But they show that. 
Number two, God has shown people and people have been able to clearly see God's invisible attributes, many of his characteristics, things like his righteousness, his judgment, his love, his goodness. They can see those things from the things he has made through creation. Now, number three, God's attributes from that last one, number two, God's divine nature and the fact that he is God are included in that, okay? So what are the things they know in this one through three? They know who God is. They know his visible attributes. They know his power. They know that he's God. They know that he's righteous. They know that he's judge. All these things they can see without the scriptures. Now, because of that, and all these things, as you see, number four, have been true since the creation of the world. This is where the argument starts. Therefore, number five, even though one, I'm sorry, not therefore, even though one through four are true and people knew they were true and knew God and about God, they did not acknowledge God's glory, honor, holiness, dignity, and worth, nor were they thankful to God for their own lives. All right. Therefore, because of one through four, people don't have an excuse for the behavior that I just mentioned in number five. Okay? They knew all these things and they rejected God. Their rejection of God is inexcusable because they knew all those things. Right? Your kid comes to you and you say, I need you to take out the trash. Okay, before you go to bed tonight, I need you to take out the trash. Do you understand? Yes, dad, I understand. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. What should happen if you don't take out the trash? I should get grabbed. Okay, wake up the next day, trash is there, right? I know this never happened to you. It's a hypothetical. Is there an excuse for, the, for your kid not taking out the trash? No, he knew. I say he because girls do what they're supposed to do, right, ladies? <laughs> All right. All right. Because of numbers one through five, people begin thinking in a useless and ineffective way. Their brains became ineffective. The arete of their brains is broken. Okay? The virtue, the excellence, the purpose. And people became foolish and their hearts were darkened. Number eight, even though people became fools, according to premise six, people claimed to be wise. This is the one that I could have spent... Uh, I don't know, at least a whole sermon on. And I could give you example after example. I did a CLE that's continuing legal education. I have to keep my law license uh, going. I don't have to, but I do keep my law license going. So I have to do these continuing legal education. I watched one on um, transgenderism and this is like in the workplace and whatever. And the way this part is nice lady. And she is so, so foolish. So broken about what things mean. I felt terrible for her. But in her mind, Good was bad and bad was good. God's purpose was nothing and man's desire was everything. And, it was, and then she thought that she was being virtuous by supporting those, right? Not only do these things, but approve of those who do them. People's foolishness, they claim as wisdom and virtue. In people's foolishness, which people claim was wisdom, people exchange the glory of God who's incorruptible, who's eternal, immortal, for images and idols made like man and animals and Mount Hood, okay? All that stuff. People exchange the truth of God for the lie and worship themselves and other created things rather than the creator God who is blessed forever, amen, okay? So they exchange that truth. We talked about that. Because of one through five, okay, that they knew and they didn't do, and then seven through 10, they became foolish and exchanged the truth for a lie. God delivered these people over to impurity, 
and evil desires in their hearts, including treating their own bodies with each other with dishonor, insult, contempt, and shame. It's kind of what the Greek is, is, is standing there. When you, this is important for you to understand. Young, old, I don't care where you are. In our world today, sex is oftentimes in all kinds of contexts referred to as love. This is how I love. Who are you to say who I can love and how I can love and when I can love? Well, I'm not anybody, but God is somebody. He has a purpose and a design. When you go outside of that design, and that design is very clear, right? Male and female, he created them. Man shall leave his father and mother and shall join his wife and the two shall become one flesh. What God has, has put together, let man not separate. This is what it's supposed to be. Now, there are all kinds of things in the broken world that cause all kinds of problems with that. But one of the things that doesn't have to happen at all is that sexual activity takes place outside of that because when it does... When you and a person you're not married to, or you and a person of the same gender, or you and you fill in the blank with all the different stuff that's out there. I can't keep track of all the letters anymore. Uh, too many. Okay? When you do those things, this is what it's saying. Impurity and evil desires in their hearts, including treating their own bodies with each other. This is what you're doing to your body and the other person's body when you say, this is love. No, I love him. I love him. Well, then you wouldn't treat your body and his with dishonor, insult, contempt, and shame. That's what you're doing. Welcome to Acts Church. <laughs> because of 1 through 5 and 7 through 11, God delivered them to dishonorable and disgraceful passions, including sexual desires and actions that go against the created order. What do we have? What do we have with all the letters? What do you have? You have exchanging the truth of God for a lie. You have saying, you're the creator and you made the order and you gave me an arete, a purpose, excellence, and virtue to do this thing. And I'm going to do what? The opposite, literally the opposite. So why he mentioned specifically homosexual acts here, because they're the opposite of the acts that he had created people to do. And that's what you will do when you turn from him and start worshiping you. It's backwards. It's backwards. This is what happens. Because of 12, number 12, people suffer the necessary consequences of these actions. Look, when we sin, there's consequences. That's all there is to it. Number 14, people did not want to know God, so God delivered them to morally worthless understanding and intellect. So it says, we didn't want to retain the knowledge of God. This is agnosticism, atheism, false religions, all these kinds of things where you say, all this is clear from, from nature, and we'll find out also as we go on. It's also clear from scripture, and most people have that now. I don't, want to, I don't want to know that. I don't want to think about that. That's the one we talked about apathyism months and months ago. I don't want to think about it, right? I don't want to talk about it. Let's keep playing this video game. Let's keep doing whatever it is we're doing. I don't want to talk about it. They don't want to retain the knowledge of God in their mind. And so he delivers them up to moral worthlessness in their understanding and intellect. And because of 1 through 5 and 7 through 14, this is what happens. People become filled with these things. Unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. And because of 15a through j, people are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Now, because of one through four earlier, people know that God is righteous and that God's righteous judgment means that people deserve death for doing and thinking the things in Numbers 5 and, and Numbers 7 through 16, okay? They know it. I read you Psalm 50, verse 6. They know it. 
even though 17 is true and they know it, people not only do these things themselves, but those people also approve of other people who do these things. Take your favorite corporation, whichever one it is. You like Pepsi, Home Depot, Lowe's, Disney? Go look it up. They're all giving money. They're all celebrating all of the things that destroy people instead of telling people the truth and trying to help them to know God. They're literally spending money to propagate lies that destroy people. And when, I, and when we stand up as a church and say, the emperor's got no clothes on. This is a disaster. You're destroying people. What do they say? You're a bigot. It is the opposite of hate. It is the opposite of hate when I speak the truth. I'm not saying I'm better than you. I'm worse than you. But God saved me. And he can do that for you too. All right. Number 19. Therefore, because of all that, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteous of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. All of this stuff. So that first thing he said is the conclusion to the argument. It's because of all that, that God must bring wrath because of the unrighteousness of me. Which is why his wrath was poured out on Christ on the cross instead of on me. And that all I have to do is follow Christ and accept that. And he doesn't look to me, he looks to Christ who has already paid the price. And anybody who tries to soften that, what actually had to happen, what Christ actually had to do, do not listen to them. Christ's sacrifice was real. And it was for me and it was for you. If you don't know Jesus, this is the argument that you should be reading and listening to and thinking about. Because you are vile. And if you don't think you're vile, it's only because your heart is dark and you become foolish. And if you really thought about it, you'd know. Because if the Holy Spirit's drawing you, you know. So I pray that you'd come to know Jesus. If you're a believer and you've started to get out to where you start acting like the world or loving the world, it's time to come back because you don't ever want to be in this spot again. And you have the Holy Spirit. 